Well, good morning, everybody. Um, thanks. As, as you can all see, uh, they've kind of left the uh, lunatics to run the asylum today. Uh, we're, we're down three-quarters of our elders and our worship leader. Uh, for those of you who don't know, they're over in Ireland right now, uh, setting up relationships with the church over there that uh, there might be some long-term missionary opportunities with. Um, I got a, got a call from Mickey last night, giving a bit of an update on it. He said they're, they're really starving over there. That, uh, they, they've been going out uh, evangelizing and uh, just, just a really abused people by religion. So uh, there, there's a lot of work that that church over there can, can, uh, can take. It's a, it's a pretty small church, and uh, it sounds like there's a lot of opportunities for us. So be in prayer for them that they'd have a safe trip and uh, that... There'd be a lot of opportunities moving forward for the rest of us to go serve over there in Ireland. Um, today's message is going to be out of uh, Numbers 14. Um, so if you guys want to turn there in your Bibles, if you've got them today. Um, I want to thank everyone for sharing this Lord's Day with me. Uh, it's a very special one for me. Uh, a lot of you guys might already know this. This will be my first time ever preaching. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> thanks. Expect a lot of grace out of you guys, and, and maybe a few few prayers if you feel so led out there. Okay, so um, while you guys are turning to Numbers 14, uh, just a little story about how I ended up here in front of you today. Um, a lot of you might not believe this, but I was actually a really shy kid growing up. Um, you, you, you may not believe that, because I, obviously I've never had any problem talking to any of you guys, but... Uh, when I started school, it, it was made known to me that I had a crippling fear of public speaking. Uh, look where I am today. Um, <laughs> so that, that never, uh, it, you know, I never had to face it too much through elementary and junior high, but uh, high school, I came across my first speech class in 10th in grade. And uh, that, up to that point, by God's grace, I had maintained pretty good grades, uh, but going into those 10th grade speeches, they handed me some of the worst grades I, I didn't even know you could get. Uh, <laughs> but managed to pass that class, managed to graduate, and uh, thought the next logical step for me would be to enroll in college. So I, I got all signed up for CSI over here in Twin and uh, was pretty excited about being a college kid. I, I got my first class list, and right at the top of the list was a class called Communications. Um, <laughs> And I was really excited about it. I thought, man, are they going to have us like working on radios or something? Uh, you can imagine my surprise when I showed up that first day and I got a syllabus that was just a giant list of speeches I'd be given that semester. Uh, needless to say, that, that was the end of my college career. Um, I, let, I let my fear and anxiety uh, cut something short that I was really excited about. Made it about two weeks. Um, so. What was next for me from there, I, I, I shipped off to the oil field. Um, in my mind, I thought nobody's going to make me speak in public out here. I'm just out in the middle of nowhere working on oil rigs. Uh, that was, except for the twice-a-day safety briefings, where every vendor would have to get up and present in front of the 200 people that would be on site. <laughs> but I'm proud to say that in four and a half years, I never once had to lead one of those safety meetings. <laughs> just seemed like a really good time to be servicing my equipment, uh, going and filling my coffee cup. Uh, I'd even take smoke breaks, and I've never even smoked. So uh, we survived those four and a half years. Uh, while out there is where I met my wife, Bree. Uh, we decided to get married and move back here to Idaho. And uh, a little aside there, 
on my wedding day, our wedding day, I had one responsibility, and that was to memorize my vows. And I did. I studied them for weeks diligently. I had them down pat. And then the wedding day came, and we were in front of all those people, a lot of people, about this many people. And uh, Brie delivered her vows, and they were beautiful and eloquent, as I expected. And then Pastor turned to me and said, Gus, do you have anything prepared for Brie? <laughs> Gus? Gus? <laughs> Luckily for me, he had uh, a copy of my vows there, and he walked me through word by word. And we survived that day. We got moved back here to Idaho. I got a job selling welding supplies. Uh, again, I lied to myself and told myself that, uh, ah, this public speaking thing's behind me. No, no one's ever going to make me do that again. So we started, um, I, I guess it's worth saying, at this point, I was not saved. Um, but Bree started dragging me to this church, Northridge Fellowship. Uh, it didn't take long sitting under Mickey's preaching that I was confronted with the gospel, called to repentance and saved, uh, right back in that pew there. Yep, amen. And, uh, but then I started to notice something. Back then, Mickey would close every sermon by calling on someone at random in the congregation to pray. And we'd been coming long enough now. I knew he knew my name. And it was only a matter of time before I was going to get that call. So some of my old oil field antics started creeping back up. Uh, we'd get down to that last five minutes of the service, and whew, I need to go fill my coffee cup. I got to go grab something out of the car. It can't wait. And if we had a smoking section, I would have even taken my old fake smoke breaks. But. <laughs> Bree noticed me struggling with this, and she, uh, so she, she asked me, what, why are you slipping out early at church every Sunday? Well, I'm... I'm Terrified of public speaking, you know this, and I know Mickey's going to call on me. It's going to happen. And she said, I'll call him. No, 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 you don't have to do that. No, I'll call him. So she calls Mickey and says, look, Gus, he's terrified of public speaking. He thinks you're going to call on him to pray. And Mickey's response was, yeah, I probably will. Um, <laughs> I just call on whoever the Spirit leads me. He hasn't led me to Gus yet. Well, great, now I'm on the radar. <laughs> but... Bree failed to relay that to me. Bree comes back after that phone call and says, Mickey says you're fine. Just come to church and don't even worry about it. Well, I took that as Mickey said it was fine, and I could just come to church and not worry about it. So it's about two weeks later. Mickey stands us up to dismiss us, and uh, I'm looking up there all excited, thinking I'm fine. And he makes eye contact with me, and he gets a grin. A lot of you probably know that Mickey grin. And he says, Brother Gus, would you close us in prayer today? Well, by God's grace, he carried me through that prayer. And uh, that, was, that was my first victory in this fear of public speaking that I had. Um, now, since then, I've been faced with a lot of opportunities to face this fear. Uh, if you guys have been coming here, you've probably seen me more and more over the years uh, you know, participating in outreach and Kids for Truth and, and the new family worship ministry we have. And, and uh, I think the biggest blessing is your guys is giving me the opportunity to come up here with the kids once a month and, and do a monthly children's message. That's, a, that's been a huge victory for me. And uh, it seems like over the last five years, God's just been stacking up these victories, preparing me for something bigger. Um, that was until about two months ago. Uh, Mickey called me with an opportunity. Uh, there's another smaller local church in the area that uh, 
their, their pastor was going out of town for a conference and they had no one to preach. And, and he said, look, this, he says, this, this seems like the next logical step for you. I, I'd really like you to go preach for those guys. Well, I, I took a few minutes to think about it before I called them back and I was able to come up with a whole list of excuses. And uh, I called them back, read them all, all the excuses and then ultimately turned it down. Well, the conviction I felt from that decision was proof to me that uh, none of those excuses were really true. Uh, I turned that down because I had an ungodly fear of public speaking, and it led me into direct disobedience to God. So I told you at the start of this story, it was a story about how I ended up in front of you today. I'm up here to share a message with you guys on ungodly fear that God has been preaching to me for about five years now. Um, I'd like to do that through a passage here in uh, Numbers. Let's see if that works in Numbers 14. Um, so, just a little context on today's passage. Uh, we, we've reached a part in uh, Israel's story here where uh, they, they've been led out of Egypt, freed from slavery. Uh, he, God destroyed Egypt's army in the Red Sea, and now he's carried them through the wilderness and sustained them all along the way. Uh, they're at the edge of the promised land now. And uh, God says, it's time, we're going to take the promised land. So he talks to Moses, and he, uh, he has them gather up 12 spies to go spy out the land. Um, they do, and they all return, and uh, we've got 10 of the spies. They bring back a bad report. Um, it's important to note here that they don't bring back a dishonest report. They bring back a bad report. They say, look, the, the men over there, they're mighty, um, and they even have giants. Uh, but it is truly a land that flows with milk and honey. Well, you have two faithful spies here. Uh, a lot of us probably remember Joshua and Caleb. Um, they, are, they don't disagree with anything the other, the other spies have said. But what they say is, what, the land is good. God says, take it. That's what we need to do. We need to go take it. Um, that, that's where we pick up here in uh, Numbers 14. So if you guys would stand with me in honor of God and his word. We'll start, in, uh, we'll start with verse 1, Numbers 14, verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? that our wives and children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, what it teaches us about Israel's uh, 
sinful fear, and in turn what, what it teaches us about our own sinful fear. But more importantly, God, I want to thank you for what your word teaches us about you and who you are and uh, the, the covenant faithfulness in which you deal with Israel, uh, which in turn tells us about your covenant faithfulness that you deal with us. Um, I just ask that you get me out of the way here today and that you fill this place with your spirit and use him to minister to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. Okay, so I want to start today's discussion on ungodly fear with a bit of a disclaimer. Um, you know, I, I never liked sermons where, where the preacher would spend an hour telling you about, don't worry, I'm not going to go an hour, uh, where, the, where the preacher would spend an hour telling you about all the problems you have without ever pointing you to a solution. I, I'm going to do my best with that today, but with fear and anxiety, there, there's no magic pill. Um, I don't want anyone to leave here disillusioned afterwards. Uh, it, we could do a whole series of sermons on fear and anxiety, but the, the truth of the matter is there's just a lot of labor that goes into this. Um, one of our biggest hurdles with ungodly emotions like fear and anxiety is uh, we usually have a lifetime of practice in this. Um, we, we, we really like to establish uh, old comforts, even though it, it seems kind of counterintuitive. Why would anxiety be comforting? But uh, it's just like an old dirt road that gets ruts. Uh, we, we start to wear these ruts in our life, and it's really easy to really easy to fall back in them, and really hard to get ourselves back out. So, um, just that's that's my little disclaimer there. No magic pills. We got a lot of work to do if we're gonna cultivate godly emotions and get rid of all these ungodly emotions. Um, we even have medical studies now. I actually just saw something the other day, and they were studying the brain of a pornography addict. And they were showing that the pathways in the brain that are exercised towards these um, more sinful behaviors, uh, they, they will get strengthened over time. So it's actually like building a highway in your brain so that anytime we, you know, we feel weak or stressed or anything, we, we, we resort back to these ungodly behaviors. And meanwhile, while we're not practicing godly behaviors, those pathways get weakened. And so uh, the, the longer you've been dealing with uh, ungodly fear or anxiety, like in my case, your whole life, it, it's, it's, a long, uh, it's a long road to hoe to, to uh, do away with these ungodly fears. Um, I would say that uh, this is evident with Israel. Um, ever since the Exodus story, the, the whole story of Israel, and not just up to this point in Numbers, but really through the whole Old Testament, is they go out and they get afraid, they disobey God, he judges them, and they come back to him. They go out, they get afraid, causes them to disobey God. Uh, you want to talk about a multi-generational uh, pathway that's being strengthened in Israel that keep causes them to, their, their default is to, to have these ungodly fears. Um, so, uh, now, this isn't to say that in today's text, Israel doesn't have any reason to be afraid. Uh, we have reports of giants that make the people look like grasshoppers. Uh, I, I would think that in most cases, that would be a godly fear. Uh, fear God gives us certain fears to keep us safe. And if uh, Cody brought a report just now that we had 30-foot giants in the parking lot, um, I wouldn't be condemning you guys for being fearful to go out there to your cars. 
I wouldn't say, you know, it's, it's an exceedingly good parking lot. It flows with milk and honey. Get out there. Miss Annie. <laughs> I don't think the Giants are looking right now. <laughs> but um, so if we're all in agreement here that, that we, we do get fear uh, to protect us in some instances, and that, that can be the case with Giants, what about Israel's fear here is, is sinful? Well, I... Uh, I have a theory on this that I learned from uh, the Truth and Grace's Memory book, which is the uh, catechism book we've been using up here for our children's message, on, uh, our monthly children's message. Uh, it's, it's been a really good study guide for me because it takes these deep theological points and, and boils them down to uh, bite-sized uh, truths that kids can understand. You know, you know, they say that you don't, you don't actually understand something until you can explain it to a child, uh, so that's... That, that's what this catechism has done for me. Um, so in that, actually, hey, we got some up here. If anybody wants one, we got a whole pile of them. Uh, today's, uh, I'll be quoting the question number 25, which the question is, why did they, Adam and Eve, eat the forbidden fruit? Do you guys ever ask yourselves that question? This is... This is a pretty core doctrine to Christianity, this doctrine of original sin. Um, if, if we're here and, and we're orthodox, we believe that all of creation fell uh, because of the sin of this one man, Adam. Now, the, the Bible tells us that you know, the serpent was cunning uh, more than other animals and, and deceived them, but that just never seemed to add up to me. We have Adam. He, he was made able not to sin. And God put him in a perfect garden, then gave him a perfect sinless wife, and then he walked daily in his perfect garden with a perfect God, with a perfect wife, with the option not to sin, yet he still disobeyed God and ate the forbidden fruit. Um, I, I could never really wrap my head around what, what would drive him to do that. I mean, he, he's supposed to be the way better man than us. He's our representative. Well, the catechism answers it this way. They did not believe what God had said. And I truly believe that. Um, I believe that's the heart of our sin problem, is not believing what God had said. It was not only our original sin problem with Adam and Eve, I, I believe it's, it's our sin problem today, and I believe it's the root of all of Israel's ungodly fear here in, uh, in uh, the book of Numbers, is they do not believe what God has said. Um, So in, uh, in the case of Israel, they're, they're on the edge of the promised land, and they just don't believe the promise. That, that, that's the disbelief that they're experiencing uh, here. Um, now, we talked about justifiable fears earlier. So what, what makes a fear non-justifiable is when it leads us to disobey God. Um, in my example of the uh, public speaking, uh, I was, that, that's the number one fear in America. And I, so I, I would say that I'm, I'm pretty justified in fearing the same thing as everybody else until it led me into direct disobedience to God. Well, then there's no longer any room for it in our lives, right? Um, another example of that would be snakes. Um, so for a little exercise today to help us confront our fear, uh, 
would you guys bring in the snakes? <laughs> Did I get anybody? No? Okay. Je Jeff doesn't look impressed. <laughs> We're not that kind of church. Don't worry, anybody. <laughs> all right. But all of this, just to make the point uh, that, that uh, there is godly fear, but even that godly fear, when we entertain it to the point of disobedience, it, it's no longer godly fear. We can't justify it. Um, so, there's the root of our sin problem. It's a disbelief in what God has said. Uh, and just like Israel's disbelief in God to uphold his covenant leads them to fear in Numbers 14, our disbelief in God causes us to fear. But there's a vaccine for our disbelief. And don't go running out if you're homeschoolers. This vaccine is 100% safe and effective. Um, it does require daily boosters, though. Um, my belief is that the vaccine for our ungodly fear is a better understanding of God's sovereignty. Uh, the, the more we understand of how sovereign God is, how much control he has, uh, the, the less things we have to be afraid of or anxious for. Um, one of my favorite statements that I have found on God's sovereignty as it relates to us is out of the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. Um, whoops. Back one. There we go. And uh, in its chapter on divine providence, which is chapter 5, in the very first paragraph, it says this. God, the good creator of all things, in his infinite power and wisdom, upholds, directs, arranges, and governs all creatures and things, from the greatest to the least. By his perfectly wise and holy providence, to the purpose for which they were created, he governs according to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and unchangeable counsel of his own will. His providence leads to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, infinite goodness, and mercy. Okay. Um, I really like the sound of that. I don't know about you guys. But the only thing we got to do is we've got to test it by the scripture, right? Uh, I think that these old, guy, old dead guys did a really good job with how they handled the scripture, but we need to go there ourselves, right? So let's, uh, let's just break it down chunk by chunk here. God, the good creator of all things, in his infinite power and wisdom, upholds, directs, arranges, and governs all creatures and things. So this here raises two questions. Is God's power and wisdom infinite? And does he govern all creatures and things? Okay, so I, I mean, we, we can go a lot of places to prove this one, but I've pulled from Psalm 135, six here. It says, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deep places, right? So. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. Well, to me, that sounds like infinite power. Um, and as far as does he govern all creatures and things, I, I don't know where he would... Uh-oh. <laughs> well, I don't know where he would go to find something to govern if it's not in heaven, earth, in the seas, or all the deep places. Um, is that coming back up, Cody? 
Alrighty, we might go acapella this time. Okay. No worries. All right, so I say it's settled here. Uh, God is, is the good creator of all things. He's infinitely power and wise, and he does uphold, direct, arrange, and govern all creatures and things. Okay, next line out of the confession says, from the greatest to the least. Okay, well, that's a pretty short one, pretty self-explanatory. I think Matthew has something to say about this in chapter 10, verses 29 through 31. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. I like this passage for, for this line because uh, it not only addresses this from the greatest to the least statement, but it also tells us what to do with it. It, uh, it gives us a therefore statement, which is like, here's what I say, here's what you do with it. And, and the line there is, do not fear, therefore. So uh, pretty self-explanatory, uh, pretty self-explanatory on, <laughs> on, on the, from the greatest to the least. <laughs> Okay, so next will be the final section is one of our bigger ones. Now, I'm froze. Here we go. By his perfectly wise and holy providence to the purpose for which they were created, he governs according to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and unchangeable counsel of his own will. His providence leads to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, infinite goodness, and mercy. There we go. So, we've got a God. It says he's a good God, which that's important. We'll get to that in a minute. He's infinitely powerful and wise, governing all of creation from the greatest to the least. Um, so how does he govern it? In this line, by his perfect foreknowledge and his free and unchangeable will. Okay? So, God knows everything that's going to happen, and and he's the one who decides how it happens. No one's going to change his mind. Is that good? Well, it's good because of what we saw in the first line, that God is the good creator. If God was the apathetic creator or the evil creator, his sovereignty wouldn't be so good anymore. But we know that God is good. And so the fact that everything comes down <clears throat> to his will, that's a good truth. Um, so in that, we should, that should give us some rest. Um, the, uh, what else it says here in this portion is that his, uh, by his perfectly wise and holy providence to the purpose for which we were created. So that should give us some rest too. It says right here, we were created on purpose and we were created with a purpose. And God knows what that purpose is. So today we're talking about ungodly fear and anxiety that that is a pretty healthy part of that vaccine right there you have a purpose god knows what it is okay so uh, here at the end it tells us why he does all this um, and we actually covered this in this week's uh, or in this month's children's message up here at the front um, if you guys remember uh, the, the catechism question was why did god make you in all things Anybody? For his own glory. Thanks, Clint. <laughs> Gold star. 
Okay, so to sum all that up of what we've read out of the confession, I think Romans 8.28 does a really good job at that. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Um, I think when we fully embrace this truth that all things are going to work together for the good of those who love God, uh, it really squeezes out any room for uh, uh, ungodly fear and anxiety. The, uh, the problem is, how do you do that, right? So, um, why don't we turn to Isaiah 41, verse 10. Okay, so when we as Christians are... Uh, dealing with these things, we have to remember that God has given us a, a secret weapon. Um, it's, it's the nuclear option I've heard Mickey refer to it as. And that is, uh, that's prayer. Uh, when we pray, we are praying to this infinitely powerful and wise God that we've been talking about. And uh, not only do we pray to him, uh, we have Bible promises that tell us he hears all of our prayers. And when we find ourselves so fearful and anxiety-ridden that we, we can't even think of what to say in our prayer, he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit who intercedes on our behalf. And uh, he prays, prays uh, even when we can't even come up with the words to say. Uh, so uh, I just want to tell you what I've been praying through in preparation for this engagement to try and cast out some of my fears. And uh, it's been very helpful. Uh, so that's... Uh, Isaiah 41, verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And, uh, yes. That's, so, I wish I could take credit for uh, finding that one, but uh, John Piper gave me that one. And, uh, so, it should be pretty solid. Here we got a Bible promise, right, that, that we can pray through anytime we get scared. We can call on God to strengthen us. We can call on him to help us. And we can call on him to uphold us with his, with his uh, right hand, with his righteous right hand. God is always faithful to his promises, and I believe that when we call on him in this promise, he'll be faithful to that one too. So, um, that, but that is for the Christian. Wes. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, uh, nothing I have said here uh, matters to you. Um, if you're here and you, you have not, uh, not given your life to God, you have not repented and put your faith in Jesus, uh, the wrath of this uh, infinitely powerful God abides over you. And the only proper response to that is fear. Um, you need to repent. You need to put your trust in the one that God has sent to save you, in Jesus Christ. Um, flee to him before it's too late. There will come a day when the fear of the Lord will do you no good, just like an Israel story here out of Numbers 14. Um, the way that story wraps up is that they finally do fear the Lord enough to take the land. And it tells us, but they presume to go up to the mountaintop, nevertheless, neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, nor Moses departed from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormah. 
delayed obedience is not obedience at all. Um, we're going to open the altar for, for a moment, and uh, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, uh, listen, listen to the call. If, if you feel turn, stirred at all, uh, don't, don't wait. That uh, There will come a day where it's too late. And Christian, if, if you're harboring these ungodly emotions like fear and anxiety, like I have been, come repent of that too. Uh, while Wes plays, uh, you do what you need to do.